wondered how taboo, shame, and lack of good sexual education have stripped away elements of pleasure in childbirth and parenting that are essential to loving, intimate relationships? Join me for another episode of Orgasmic Birth Podcast, Pleasure in Pregnancy, Birth, and Parenting, as we break down and heal barriers and open the door to more love and intimacy in birth and life. know what birth will ask of you as a birthing person, how past experiences will impact your thoughts and feelings during pregnancy, labor, birth, and postpartum. Birth is an incredible opportunity to discover your strength and power, to heal and emerge from labor and birth feeling stronger and more empowered than you could have ever imagined. Yet, sadly, it can also be a time that too many people experience trauma when they have the history of past trauma and are not fully supported and prepared, or if women and partners don't receive respectful, gentle, loving care. Hi, I'm Deborah Pascali Bonaro, founder and director of Orgasmic Birth and host of the Orgasmic Birth podcast. I'm honored that my guest today is Ngazi Tibbs, and she's here discussing making your journey lighter. And Ghazi wears a lot of hats as an infant and early child mental health consultant, doula, childbirth educator, lactation consultant, certified health and nutrition coach, relationship coach, and master sex expert. She is married to her college sweetheart for 31 years, and they are parents of five awesome children and one fantastic grandson. She loves teaching and learning from families as they navigate through the joys and the challenges of raising children. Welcome, Ngazi. It's such a pleasure to have you join us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I love that we share being parents of five children, me too, and grandmothers, like yeah. how amazing that is. But I always love to ask everyone, you know, how your own journey was and how that impacted this whole career uh, that you've created and ways that you're supporting so many other parents. What an awesome question. You know, what's really interesting is that I don't really feel like I knew who I was and knew who I wanted to be until I was in my late 40s. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. I got married very young at 20, and we had our first baby when I was 22, second baby at 25, third baby at 28, fourth baby at 30, and fifth baby at 35. That's a lot of life to live, right? But I really don't think I discovered really who I was and what my calling was until I was in my 40s. So I became a doula sort of by accident. I was at a women's Bible study with a friend. I think I had one, two children at that time. Yes, so my boys. And a friend said to me, she said, you know what? You're really good at taking care of children and of families. You really should consider becoming a doula. I said, what the hell is that? Like, can you describe what that is? <laughs> she told me, I had never heard of doula before. She told me what it was. And she said, I think you should consider the doula training. So the rest is history. I attended my first birth, 
with a friend when I was pregnant with my third baby. And I was probably about six or seven months pregnant, but definitely had a little belly. I was so comfortable in that space that her OB thought that I was a midwife. I thought that was divine energy and that this was where I needed to be. So when I went to undergrad, I studied child development and religious studies. So I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't really fully know what I wanted to do until I was much older. So as I mentioned, when I had my third baby, I was 28. A lot of life happens, but it wasn't until I got into my 40s that I recognized this isn't just something I enjoy. This is what I was called to do. Now, the reason why my company, my LLC, is called Journey Lighter Coaching is because of this. I am a sexual abuse survivor. And for a long time, I was not comfortable sharing that because I felt shame. And shame isn't just that what happened to you is bad, but that you are bad. And so because of that, I actually didn't want to talk about it. I just pretended like it never happened, but I felt like I was going through the motions of life. And right at about the age of 19, I decided to go talk to a therapist about it. And over time, over the years, through my courtship with my husband, through dating and marriage, and then having our babies, what I learned is that what we are all looking for is somebody that can walk alongside us and help make our journey a little bit lighter. And I kept hearing that over and over again, making my journey lighter, making my journey lighter. I didn't know what it meant then. But somewhere around 43, 44, somewhere around there, I started hearing it louder. And so it made sense that my LLC was named Journey Lighter Coaching. It just made perfect sense. Now, I also want to say, as a brand new young woman being married at 20 and getting pregnant with our firstborn at 22, I was in college at the time. And I began to have flashbacks about what happened to me when I was younger. I thought that I had blocked it out and all of those images started coming up again. And I was able to really address it in therapy. And one of the hardest parts about being pregnant for me at that time was feeling like I was undeserving of joy and of love. And so I was so afraid that this little person, I didn't know if I was having a boy or a girl, this little person that was not going to love me. I was very concerned that this little person would be taken away from me because I didn't deserve to have them in my life. So I really struggled with a lot of that. And one of the most healing experiences I ever had was giving birth with midwives. So I want to give a shout out to the midwives at the Midwife Center in my town, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, because I shared my story and they let me know that they would cover me and they would care for me. So I'm very grateful for them. There was a lot of fear around the pain of childbirth and what that would look like. I was very, very afraid, but they talked me through it. They helped me understand what was going on in my body. I did a lot of reading and a lot of research. I talked to other women. You know, why did you have your babies with midwives? And I also was reminded 
that midwifery is not new to black people, right? My friends taught me, oh no, only hippie white women go to midwives. Black women, we go to the hospital. So I didn't know until I had a conversation with my mother who reminded me that she was born by a midwife in the deep South in 1942, when many white doctors wouldn't even come near black families and black babies. She was delivered by a black midwife. So I, that's in my genes, right? It made sense. And so as I started learning more about the grand or the granny midwives and all the work that they did for black families, I began to feel more comfortable about this decision to have an out-of-hospital birth. My midwives, wow, I'm getting teary just thinking about it. I had the most beautiful birth experience I went through some extra therapy during that time. I started going to therapy twice a week. And then we found out by ultrasound that we were having a little boy. And my perpetrator was male. And I had some, some issues with that. And I really worked through that. The idea of breastfeeding was something I was not interested in. But I worked through it in therapy and the midwives helped me. So my husband tells me the story, because I don't really remember this very much until he tells me the story. He said, when I went into labor, I immediately went into like mom mode. I was breathing. He said it was very ancestral what I was able to do. I knew exactly what to do. I took the childbirth classes. I worked with my midwives. He said, it, I look so strong and so powerful. He said, there was one point in labor with our firstborn where I took a sip of juice put my hands on my hips, and I said, I'm ready. Let's push this baby out. And he said, I squatted, and the midwife was sitting underneath me to catch the baby. Then I'd stand up and get a sip of juice and keep going. He said, I always respected you, but I respected you even more seeing you pull from that ancestral strength. I felt so empowered with my birth experience, and I knew for the first time that my body wasn't broken that this body had given birth. And then when my son latched onto my breast for the first time, I wept. I wept. And I'm so grateful that I had that experience with my son because I learned that my body wasn't broken, that my body could give life, that my body could sustain life. So my first birth experience, it wasn't easy. I had an unmedicated birth. It was not easy but I knew that I was covered, that I had the support team that I needed to help me get through. And with each baby, more healing occurred. My journey got even more lighter and more lighter with each baby because I had such good support. So it made sense that I would start a company to support all birthing families, but especially those that have the history of sexual abuse and trauma. Sexual abuse robs you of hope. And I said, I want to give that hope back that was implanted in me, if you will, that ancestral knowledge that I was able to pull from. And my wonderful midwives, my husband was, you know, he really should, he's a preacher. He really should be a doula, right? Because <laughs> he was able to give me that support. So, you know, birth and breastfeeding were very healing experiences for me, even though I was raised around women who made it sound like childbirth was the most awful experience ever. So I came into that experience with pregnancy with fear. 
but I came out of it. I emerged from that experience empowered. And I wanted to share that with other women. So I was able to finish my bachelor's in maternal child health. And then I went on to complete my master's in public health and then able to bring those other certifications to support my skill set so that I could be my best self and support families. What a beautiful journey. And I, I have to say, I was cheering up with you at times. I thank you for sharing your personal journey and healing journey as a survivor and how that empowered you in your own life and parenting. And then for all the ways that I like to say you're birthing that forward and helping so many others. For other survivors that may be listening, are there there's a lot of lessons you shared in your own story, but as you're working with survivors today that are preparing, might be listening right now for birth, what would be some nuggets you would encourage them to do in preparation? Definitely, I would encourage them to have space uh, where they can talk through what they remember. So often survivors, because they're trying to survive, they compartmentalize what happened and say that happened a long time ago. That's not going to affect me today. And for some people that maybe have suppressed some of those memories, birthing is a time when we feel incredibly vulnerable. And for some people, that's when the flashbacks occur. I've worked with folks that actually had flashbacks while they were giving birth, while they were breastfeeding their babies. So I encourage folks to, you know, find people that you can talk to, talk with your midwife, talk with your OB, find what resources are in your community. I am so incredibly grateful for my Pittsburgh community because we are surrounded by midwives and OBs and social workers and therapists, folks that really want to support families. So I know how to have a warm handoff when I'm working with a birthing person who has this history that I know who to send them to. So I encourage folks, please talk to your provider. It doesn't even have to be a long story. Just say, I have a history of sexual abuse and trauma, and I want to have an awesome birth experience. What would you recommend are some steps that I could take, whether with you or with some other folks in the community, so I can have the best birth possible? And your providers are going to be connected to folks that you can talk to. I'm I'm so grateful. Pittsburgh is not a huge city. A lot of people, because, you know, we're known for sports and for medicine, but we're only about 320,000 people. So not a huge city. However, medically, we are connected to a lot of top-notch providers that can really give the support to families that need it. So I'm I'm grateful for what's here. So even if you're not comfortable having a long conversation, just begin that conversation with the providers in your area. And also, there are some books that I would recommend, two books that changed my life. One is When Survivors Give Birth by the awesome Penny Simkin and the awesome Phyllis Klaus. If you do not know who these ladies are, please just Google them. They are amazing and two of the founders of Dona International. That book truly helped me to feel seen for maybe the very first time. Another book is called, um, and the author is Melba Wilson. 
And um, why the book is escaping me right now. Oh, sorry. Crossing the Boundary. Thank you. Crossing the Boundary. And it talks specifically about Black women and sexual abuse. So what we know from research is that Black women and girls and boys are not necessarily abused at higher rates. However, the rates of disclosure are very different because of that added layer of cultural responsibility to protect perpetrators. Because many women are afraid to say that my perpetrator was a Black man or a Black boy because we know what happens to Black men in law enforcement. And so there's that added layer of responsibility of protection, right, which is truly a burden that we should not have to carry. And so Melba Wilson addresses that in the book, Crossing the Boundary. And I've actually talked with Penny about some of the unique needs that Black survivors had. So I appreciate her hearing me out and talking about writing some, some things together so that we can address some of the unique needs that Black survivors have. So those are two books, but there are others. There is another book written by two midwives called Survivor Moms. Amazing. What I like about When Survivors Give Birth and Survivor Moms is that you hear the professional side. So you hear therapists, you hear doulas, you hear childbirth um, educators and lactation consultants talk about their perspective when they are serving survivors. But then you are also reading the stories of survivors. You hear their painful stories, but you also hear about their healing. You hear about the other side. One of my favorite stories is one told by a provider, an OB. And when survivors give birth, I think it's, can't remember what page it's on, but I, I do remember this provider had a high rate of cesarean birth. This provides, so the average, the national average of cesarean births of all births is like 32%. This person's cesarean rate was even higher. And she knew that something was wrong, but she couldn't quite pinpoint what it was without giving all of it away. She talked with someone about what her fears were. And as a result of her own healing, her cesarean rate in her practice dropped by half. She was able to get that healing. So many of us that have this history are wounded healers. We are in positions to support families but we need to receive that healing so we're not projecting that energy onto other folks. Giving birth and in that postpartum period, folks are open to receive. We want to make sure that we are getting what we need. We are receiving that spiritual and emotional healing so that we can impart that into our clients because what we do is we model how to care for ourselves. So we share that with our clients, and they in turn translate that into how they care for their babies. So really important work that we have to do on ourselves. So again, I would say if you are a survivor, find someone that you can trust to talk to. It doesn't have to be a long conversation, but find out where the resources are and then give yourself grace. Take your time and work through what you need to work through so that you can heal because we need intact people, walking, working together, raising these babies. One of the best gifts that I ever gave to my children was to work on my own healing. Thank you. 
wow, like I'm just breathing in the incredible amount of wisdom that you shared in there. I also want to honor how important it is that you bring the Black perspective in it and that we can all understand the additional challenges that racism brings into this and brings into survivors. So I really appreciate your reference and books and we're putting them all in the show notes. So for anyone listening, make sure you look in the notes, you will see all the titles recommended and how to purchase them. And I have to also ask as we think about survivors and the impact that birth has, I know that you've also gone on to be a sexpert. And I love how you like put that sex expert as sexpert and that we also share this kind of look that birth is an intimate part of every person's life, why it's so important to be talking about survivors now, but also for all people to feel that connection. And I know that you talk a bit about that. How do you explain or kind of integrate birth as a part of a birthing person's sexual life? You know, so often, you know, depending on what philosophy and worldview we're raised with, there's this dichotomy and and this idea of the very sexually active woman and then the mother over there, right? As if they are not one in the same. So how did the baby get there? Somebody got together, right? Somebody got together. Yes. So hopefully the baby was put there in love. So I encourage couples, you know, if your labor is stalled, Make out with your partner, kiss, hug, touch them, because that relaxation, right, can actually stimulate arousal. and We can start getting the uterus contraction to get our babies born. So I talk with couples about that. And as a survivor, I didn't want to spend the rest of my life sexually broken because a lot of what I was taught about sex was a distortion of what the Most High made it to be. And I wanted to reclaim my sexuality. So I learned as much as I could. And I said, you know what? I'm giving a lot of this information to families in childbirth education already. So I just want to take this to the next level and talk with birthing families, but also to couples about how to have the best sex possible. So I teach a class called Better Sex and Breastfeeding. I'm going to change the title to Hot Sex and Breastfeeding. I love it. Dude, put hot in front of a word and everybody comes running. But we deserve to embrace our full sexual selves. Our sexuality is part of who we are. We don't become less sexual because we're mothers, right? We don't become less sexual because we're parents. We might have to be a little more creative to get that private time with our partners, but we are still sexual beings and that should be celebrated. So I address this in my childbirth education classes. I address it with breastfeeding and then I address it after, you know, the baby's a little bit older. How do you keep that love alive? What are some unique ways to be intimate without penetration? What are ways that you can hold your partner's hand, look in your partner's eyes, all of those things? So I get excited as I'm talking to families about this because many of us, regardless of what age we are, we get really shy when we talk about these things. And in order for us to get more comfortable, we got to talk about it. 
So I address it in, in the prenatal period. Usually folks start giggling. We're like kids in the classroom and that's okay, but we're having the conversation. We talk about unspoken expectations after the baby is born. Things will look very different than when you were pregnant or before you all got together. Like things will look different, but how to navigate new ways to communicate. The art of kissing. I teach a class on kissing. You'd be surprised how many couples say, I like kissing, but my partner doesn't. And I don't like how she kisses me or I don't like how he kisses me. And we talk about how to rekindle that. What does it mean when you are non-binary? How do you respond to one another? What does that mean? So we look at all of those areas because I believe everybody deserves to have a healthy sex life. And sometimes that means going back to things that we were raised with that cause us to feel shame about our bodies. One of the things that I encourage birthing people to do after the baby is born is fully nude, look at your body in the mirror. Stretch marks it all. Touch your body all over and bring that healing energy and speak words of life to your body. Your stomach, your thighs, all of that, your breasts. Your baby could care less if you have stretch marks. Your baby just wants to eat, right? Your baby doesn't need perfectly shaped breasts for you to provide milk for your baby. But, and I also, especially if that birthing person got stitches during their birth, I encourage them if they're comfortable to get a mirror and look at their new body and speak words of life to the new body. And I talk to the partners as well, that it is important that they understand that their birthing person's body is going to look different and that they are not permitted to say anything that is negative about that birthing person's new body, right? Because shame can come from your partner as well. I said, oh no, we're not doing that. We have discussions about birth control. What are some kinds of birth control that can really help with that spontaneity? I had a whole conversation with a couple the other day about the different types of condoms on the market. And we giggled about it, but they got an education about what to do. So the way that we have these conversations is we get into environments. Sometimes it helps to be with couples, with other folks. Some people, I have the conversations individually, but we need to embrace our sexual selves. It's a part of who we are. And Ghazi, I loved your words and all your wisdom. And I'd love to ask, because you've covered so much in taking us with so much tip. Is there anything else you'd like to share that you're thinking for someone who's listening that maybe is preparing for pregnancy or postpartum? What's the last words of wisdom you'd like to share with them? Sure. I would say communication is key. Talk with your partner. Talk with your providers about what your needs are. You deserve to receive evidence-based, compassionate, compassionate care. You deserve that. And so if you are, if you have a provider that's not listening to you, it might be important to find a new provider. You deserve that in your pregnancy, in postpartum, in that immediate postpartum when you're breastfeeding, and hopefully find a provider who is knowledgeable about sexual things and is not squeamish about having those conversations. Like 
you know, I love that my midwives talk to us about breastfeeding, that the same hormone that contracts the uterus, right? Oxytocin is the same hormone that releases milk when you're breastfeeding, but it's the same hormone that releases when you have an orgasm. And if you are a breastfeeding parent and you are excited and you have an orgasm, you might squirt milk and it's okay. (laughs) I'm so glad we had those conversations. So I encourage folks, find people that you can talk to and be open about, you know, open about these things because they're important and they're a part of who you are. And lastly, I would say, be kind to your body. There is no such thing as a perfect body. These Instagram models that we see, many of them, those aren't their real bodies. They're wearing tons of makeup, they're airbrushed, there's filters, there's all of that. So try not to compare yourself to people that really aren't real. Be kind to your body. Be kind to your body every day. Try to stay away from faddish type diets. You know, eat foods as in as close as their natural state as you can. You know, dieting doesn't work. So I talk with couples and individuals about disordered eating, what that looks like, how to not have any forbidden foods, you know, be kind to yourself, speak words of life to yourself every day and find a partner who celebrates you, right? A partner that you can be your authentic self with. And if you are solo, if you are, if you don't have a partner, learn how to self-pleasure, learn how to touch your own body. So when, when and if you decide to have a partner, you can tell them what you like because you know what you like. So yeah, those would be my last words. Thank you so much, Ngazi. And I know you shared you're in Pittsburgh, but I know that people can follow you from around the world and access your wisdom and your classes. Can you share all the ways that people can be in touch with you? Sure. Um, My website, I have two websites, journeylightercoaching.com and then Sankofa Lactation Services. So Sankofa is spelled S-A-N-K-O-F-A, and then lactationservices.com. You can find me on TikTok. My daughter got me out here on TikTok, y'all. My (laughs) name on TikTok is Gazi the Greatest. I'm also on Instagram under Journey Lighter Coaching and Gazi18, and also my Twitter handle is the same, Journey Lighter and also Gazi 18. I would love to talk with folks. If you want to talk with somebody who is comfortable discussing sexuality, I'm your girl. So hit me up. Thank you so much, Ngazi. And thank you for everyone who's joined us in listening. We'd love to hear from you. What are some of the things that touched you? Definitely tag us on Orgasmic Birth and tag Ngazi. All those links are in the show notes. And we thank you for joining us today and look forward to having you join us for our next episode of the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about pleasure in birth parenting and birth work, visit orgasmicbirth.com forward slash more for my free gifts. And please leave a review about your experience. Reviews help us to reach more people and please subscribe.